0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan is going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Give it
1: to me, Larry Welcome into another Believe in Wizards podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Moderno. I've got Tony East joining me today. He's the host of Locked On Pacers. He's also uh, provides Pacers coverage for Forbes and WTHR and Indy. So I thought he'd be the perfect person to come on and tell us, you know, what we need to know about Demonis Sabonis. That's been the rumor all week. So leading up into the trade deadline, I, I thought this would be really. Timely for us to talk about the, the name that's kind of on everybody's mind in, in wizards world right here. We uh, have a thing for Gonzaga players, but I don't know that everybody's seen much of Sabonis or is intimately familiar with this game. So I think Tony's really well poised to do that for us and uh, appreciate him joining the show. So we'll get to that in a minute. Also just some general thoughts on some comments about the defense from Contavious Caldwell Pope and about the locker room and the overall mood for Montress Harrell. And then we'll close out the show with another, uh, entry into our new segment player profile, getting ready for the draft. So that'll be Jalen Duran of Memphis. He's also a freshman. So we'll close out with him as always, please do us a favor, uh, hit the subscribe button, leave us a rating of whatever, whatever level or or quality you think is appropriate. And and feedback is always helpful. If you have questions or things you want addressed on the show, send me a note, Twitter, email, whatever you want to do. I'm happy to, to take any suggestions here. So yeah, let's just uh, let's get to the show. But but first, one quick word from from our sponsor, Bet Online. The big game is finally here as we hit Super Sunday with the last game of the football season. As always, Bet Online has you covered from odds, scores, totals, player performance, props to where the next coach fired is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022, and it's not just football. Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports, write down your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. Head on over to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get you started. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, with that, let's get to our interview here with Tony. I'd like to welcome on Tony East, host of Locked On Pacers. Tony, thanks for joining me.
0: Excited to be here. Excited to talk about my favorite childhood team, the Washington Wizards, a little bit today.
1: (laughs) It's depressing. It is also my favorite childhood team, and I kind (laughs) of wish that it wasn't some days, especially lately.
0: You can't Uh, see behind me, Matt. Actually, I'll turn my camera on at the beginning, but there there is a little Wizards mug up here, so I do have a little bit of my Wizards memorabilia still sitting around. There you go. I always like talking Wizards.
1: Well, this is perfect timing. Then it seems like our two teams might have something to, to talk about for the next couple of days here. The trade deadline is on Thursday, the tenth, and uh, yeah, there's just been a lot of noise about, you know, what what the Pacers might do with uh, maybe uh, at least a partial rebuild here, if not a full teardown. And Demonis Simonis is the you know the hot name, especially here in Washington. I guess my first question is, dude's really good and under a good contract.
0: Why trade him in the first place if you're the Pacers? You know, uh, I'm sort of asking the same questions is my is my start to that answer. Like, like let me back up. I get it because he is really good. He's a two-time all-star. He can do, like, the best screener in the NBA or one of the top three best screeners in the NBA, fills it up on the glass, can pass better than 95% of big men in NBA history. And that's all great. And he scores pretty well and is a Mitch Mass problem for a lot of these teams. And again, that's all great. And the Pacers have won exactly zero playoff games since they moved him into the starting five, and their record isn't very good the last two years. So, like, I can watch him and tell you he's the best player on this team. All his skills are good; they lead to winning. They, you know, they have at least been decent these last couple years. Sure. But what is it? What is it really, right? That's always where the 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 train kind of stops, and you know, they just traded Levert, who obviously is also good, Mm -hmm. but they were thirty three and forty one in games Levert played. Like, what what are these players? How do they fit together? So the reason they might move anyone talented. They already traded LeVert, but like Turner or Sabonis or any of their veteran wings is because the results just aren't there, right? So they have to wonder how good can these guys really be? Do we want to shift up to the next core? And that's where Sabonis fits into the equation. I totally get that with like almost
1: everyone else on the roster, except maybe like uh some of the young, you know, young guys, Duarte and Jackson. But for him, he's still young enough, he could fit on really you know, any timeline you want to go. And it just seems like from what we're hearing about potential, you know, rumored trades. It's, it's not really, like, getting the kind of, I don't know, respect, I would think, from a two-time All-Star on a good team-friendly deal. This is not a guy on a Supermax deal. This is a, you know, 20-ish million-dollar-a-year player who who produces, I, I think, you know, above most
0: 20-million-dollar-a-year players. Yeah, that's kind of been the confusing part for the Pacers heading into the deadline is, like, you know, Karis over to 27, and Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb and Torrey Craig are all older, like... Sure. You, you, I can understand dealing those guys with the bigs mm-hmm. with Turner and Sabonis. I know our folks were on Sabonis today, but they're still both 25. They don't turn 26 for, you know, in Sabonis's case till after the season ends and Turner's case about 90 days or excuse me, 40 days from now. Mm-hmm. So they can kind of fit if you deal them away, they can count as a vet that you got stuff for. But if you keep them, like you could still have them through their whole prime for the next couple of years anyway. So that it makes sense to me why they, you know, a lot of the reporting is that despite getting offers for both, they'll keep one of them, right? So, I, you know, what you said, I think, is accurate of, like, he could fit their next timeline, even, like, he's only one year older than Duarte, Sabonis is, sure. Turner, really. Mm-hmm. So they could opt to keep him, and that makes sense. They could just opt to keep one big. But with them, it's less about the direction the Pacers are headed and more that they've been slamming their heads into the wall, starting two centers for the last couple seasons, and, like I mentioned earlier, have won absolutely nothing in response to that strategy. I do like the notion of just
1: sort of keeping all things on the table here. It's something I wish we had done a little bit earlier in Washington with, Hey, we're not winning. So everybody is potentially expendable, which has been sort of the uh, opposite approach. So I don't know if that factors into the, you know, Kevin Pritchard's uh, uh, sort of line of thinking there, but
0: the the last year of Otto Porter's rookie deal, I, the wizards could have done so much interesting stuff and they just didn't.
1: <laughs> yeah. That that seems to be a trend uh, for the most part. So the the same situation is playing out here with Bradley Beal and uh, you know we are where we are, I guess. So if they are going to put people around him, Sabonis is one of the few names I think has sort of resonated well with the Washington fan base. And I guess just one, how likely do you think it is that, that Sabonis ends up traded and uh, what do you think it really would take to get someone? Are, are we talking, and we can get into a little bit more specifics if it were a Wizards deal, but- uh, do you think the Pacers are looking for younger players back with more pick heavy, you know, like what sort of the direction do you think they'd prefer to go
0: actually have more clarity on this since we're recording after the Levert trade? Fortunately, you know, yeah. before they traded Karras, uh, I kind of in general have ranked bet- bet- between all the Pacers vets and Levert and Turner. So bonus is like the least likely guy to be dealt, but dealing Lavert, who is the second best of that bunch makes it seem a little more likely to me, right? Like they're not, Mm -hmm. they're already not good. They're not going to be good the rest of this year. Who knows how good they will be the next two years or three with with Sabonis under contract still, but now that they've dealt one of their best players and Brogdon's hurt, you know, and they're going to be leaning into youth the rest of this year, mostly it'd be, it's not like wasting a year of him. He's not that good that you'd call it that, but it's close, right? So makes it a little more likely to me that they would deal someone like, like Sabonis. And the, the the barometer I've been using for value was the Vucevic trade. I think the Wizards fans have, have heard that a lot, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um they're they're both, you know, they were the worst two all-stars last year about equal in value. Vooch uh, was a little better last year, but he's six years older when he got traded, seven years older.
1: Yeah, makes so more I've money. I've been equating
0: yeah. those guys. That was uh, Otto Porter to bring his name up again. Uh, Wendell there Carter is. and two first-rounders was that trade. So that was one pretty solid young player and two firsts. So I've kind of thought that's what it would take for Sabonis, and I think that I've been saying that I thought they would favor young players more. That's kind of been the Pacers MO for all of time. But they just did the LaVert trade, which was very not pacers-y. They just got picks. They never do that. That had, for like I think this is the first time since I mean, since Jonathan Bender was on the Pacers so long ago, like I was probably nine years old, that they've been tracking another team's first round pick. They very rarely trade for first midseason. So mm-hmm. I would have said young players is what they wanted more as soon, recently as 24 hours ago. But now I, I think that the Pacers could kind of go either way there it's very within the Wizards track
1: record to trade away first round picks too. So you guys might actually be in, in luckier for the option. Uh, let me just, maybe just talk some players here and see if there's any of the guys actually on the Wizards roster that would appeal to uh, to Pacers and, and Pacers fans. So uh, the thing we've heard a, a good amount of is some combination of Denny Avdia, Rui Hachimura, maybe Corey Kispert, who had heard, you know, the Pacers liked during the pre-draft process if they couldn't get Duarte. Somebody like Thomas Bryant for salary and the Wizards can't trade a first round pick until 2028 unless they get Oklahoma City to lift protections, but they could flip somebody like Montrez Harrell potentially for a pick and include something like that or make it a three team deal or, or whatever the logistics work. Um, Do any of those names sort of make sense to you?
0: Uh, yes and no. So, so I, I'm going to lean back on Vucevic's deal here, which is unfair because the Wizards don't have what the Bulls had. So it's not fair to, to one-to-one equate those things. But, like, you know, Wendell Carter was, like, good. You know what I mean? Like, it was very obvious he was good. And I think Rui's pretty good, uh, not not to the level that Wendell Carter was established, but Rui's clearly shown that he's good in his first years in the NBA. If, so if he had, like, played more this season and clearly shown that he, you know, I think he's trending this way now, he's playing a little more that he's getting better still and he's good and he can play the four and he's got some shot making ability and he's a good defender that that they would like Rui for sure and then maybe one of Avia Kispert whatever and then a first or something and that could be the facsimile for the Vooch trade because Rui's the best of those three guys most likely Kispert could be I guess but if the shot never comes around for him I mean what, what is what is he going to be in the NBA we, we still don't know so I, I like Avdia and young defenders are hard to get. And the thing about Avdia is I think right now is he'd be the best fit next to Duarte and Jackson, but that's right now. And you don't want to worry about that. You want to worry about the future where shooting like Kisper could be valuable if that clicks or Achimura being able to do a little bit, everything could be valuable. So I've just rambled about all these players and said, nothing important here. But I think for me, I would rank them Rui, Denny, Corey in the order of that. I think the Pacers would like them, but I don't want to understand. honestly, any order from their skill set. The question is just, you know, are they only picking two of the three? Do they want all three? Then the yeah. wizards are probably like, wait, no, no. And so, you know, how how do the teams kind of negotiate from that starting point?
1: Yeah, it's funny, like I, I was texting with some friends about this deal earlier today. And, and I kind of said like, and I think that we're all on the same page, like we would very much like to see Sabonis in a wizard's uniform, but if it costs us, you know, Kuzma, Denny, Rui, Kispert, and two first round picks that require us to lift protections when we might still be bad and want to keep, uh, you know, those picks protected like that, that would scare me as a fan. But if you can get out of this and it's, you know, Bryant for salary or something like that, and then either even two of the three of Denny Rui and Kispert uh, and whatever the picks need to be to, to make that work, I, I think that seems pretty. Like palatable and and like reasonably on par with similar deals, especially like the the Vooch deal that you mentioned. I, I guess it just sort of depends on how much, you know, they value either Rui or Denny. And, and right. I, I haven't heard much about you know if those were guys they liked pre-draft or anything like that.
0: I would be I would be guessing if I you know ranked how much the Pacers liked them, going off of what their skills are and what Rick Carlisle likes. I think Kispert might be a guy that Rick Carlisle likes because. Mm-hmm. Pacers can't shoot at all. I mean, they they are horrible. And Kispert, to to be honest with you know how he's been, he's had some games where he's like unbelievable shooting, but most of the time has looked pretty inconsistent, right? So maybe he's not a shooter. And then what is he? But if they don't have any defense either. Uh, and you know, <laughs> trading away Lavert could benefit them there. Like Avi is an awesome defender, and I'm glad you mentioned Kuzma because that you know he is the salary is interesting. Just because if he is the salary instead of Thomas Bryant, and I get why. Wizards in general would like, like to be bright, but then you might have, you know, not have to do as many or any first because Kuzma is like very solid, right? And he's young-ish. So that might help a little bit easing the asset load the Wizards have to trade. So, you know, he could be the the swing thing that kind of is like, okay, if we make him the salary, can we take out this pick or this young guy or something? So I think we have all the stuff that could be considered or like a part of the package unless Trez is a third team or something. But the question is just, what team likes what? Does there need to be a third team, and how exactly does this all spill out? Although I do have one more question I'd like to fit in yeah, about uh, valuations. Okay, what do you got? Where where are the Wizards on Dinwiddie right now? Uh, where are the Wizards
1: on Dinwiddie, or where where is the Wizards fan base on Dinwiddie? Well, there,
0: I know there's a big gap.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting question, right? Like there's. There's been some interesting reporting throughout the year about, uh, you know, his ability to step up from a leadership perspective and whether that's been welcomed and his comments about, uh, you know, uh, somebody on this team has to not shoot and somebody on this team has to be willing to pass. And, and so there's there's clearly, you know, something hasn't particularly clicked in the way that I hope, you know, I think they would have hoped even you, you heard that Bradley Beal wanted Dinwiddie specifically. And you know, you don't see much interaction from those two guys if you're trying to read between the lines there. So if your goal is to keep Bradley Beal happy and this doesn't seem like one of his boys, I, I think that probably makes him expendable. There's been some reporting that Dinwiddie would be a guy that they would be happy to shop if anyone were interested. And and I do think he's actually been better than we as, as a fan base are giving him credit for. Not good or not the player they would hope he would be but does some things. Well, uh, he's like very secure with the ball, which I think is important after, especially for us, after a year of having Russell Westbrook uh, being very turnover prone, but he can't really shoot it. He's been slower to get into the paint. Um, just not getting to the rim nearly as much. So I don't know, maybe a new, new setting or something like that helps them. Uh, is, is that a guy that, you know, at least the, if he could get back to high end Dinwiddie, that would appeal to, to the Pacers.
0: Uh, I don't know. Cause they can't trade Brogdon this year after his extension. They have McConnell <laughs> they have Ricky Rubio. Now, uh, I don't know what the hell he fits into this equation, if at all, but like Dinwiddie only having 44 million guaranteed. I can't remember. I know there's some partial on the end of that,
1: that I can't remember the deal. Perfectly. If he hits 50 million in 50, fifty fifty million if he hits 50 games played in each of his first two seasons, the third year becomes fully guaranteed at like a little over 18. Otherwise it's only 10 million guaranteed.
0: Okay. So he's going to smash it this year, but we'll see about it seems likely. Yeah. Okay. So I only thought of him because I knew that he'd been struggling and his deal was basically the same as Sabonis's. Yeah. So if the wizards weren't moving him, that's the easiest salary piece. I don't know if the Pacers want him or anything though, but if his deal is, is just totally neutral value, basically. I mean, and that's kind of up to interpretation of fans or the wizards if his deal is just neutral value, then it's okay. What's the assets to get the bonus from there. I only wanted to include that because his salary was like perfect, but I, I, I totally understand why the wizards and the Pacers would not want him to be a piece in the deal.
1: Yeah. We would drive him to the airport and like (laughs) get him safely to the arena for you guys. If if that were the case, I think just uh, if you could make him, you know, be an actual positive to a deal like that. So uh, Kuzma sort of like the interesting one for us as a fan base, like uh, he's been very well received. He's been like, surprisingly impactful as a leader, not uh, like a passive aggressive complainer, which has gone over pretty well with fans. And he's a guy that's like clearly been trending up in, you know, given more flexibility to go out and, and show some different things. So he's under contract at a reasonable deal considering the production he provides. So like, I think in everyone's mind, it's this new big three, which is still sort of underwhelming, but of Bielsa, Sabonis and Kuzma. And that, that makes it like a little tougher to imagine if, you know, he ends up having to be a piece in the deal. If if I were in, you know, putting the Pacers hat on anyway, like Kuzma's a little older, he's older than Sabonis. And Rui is actually like sneaky older than than I think people realize too. He's like about 24 years old-ish. So he's only a little over a year uh younger than well. Sabonis. The Pacers
0: have a 24-year-old rookie, so you that's don't have a fair, to worry about that. That's as a much. Very good point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I was only saying, like, maybe Denny holds more value as an asset right. because they're probably reasonably comparable in terms of like on court production at, at this point. And at least you would hope that the ceiling is a little higher with Denny.
0: Yeah. Him only being wait. Well, yeah. He was 20 at the start of the year. I don't know if he's already 21, 21 now or not, yeah. but so his, his value is fascinating to me and Denny is so confusing mm-hmm. to me. Like it's a lot of times great. I watch a was Wiz- <laughs> yeah. A lot of times I watch wizards and I'm like, okay, I totally get why this dude could be an awesome defender and just needs to put some, any sort of in-between offensive game together, like anything where he touches the ball and it's not just a mess immediately. There's some other games where his defense doesn't look that impressive. And so if his defense isn't there, and I think he'll be a good defender for sure, but if his defense isn't there all the time, his value is just very confusing to me. I think he'll be good for sure though. So we're hashing out stuff that doesn't like Super matter in terms of the trade. We're kind some, of just opine. some combo of those guys, right? Yeah, um, we're just opining on Wizards youngsters here, which is, I know, not the, the goal of today. But anyway, it, it's it's not our opinions that matter. It's the Pacers. Pacers is that was not the word. um Kevin so, Pritchard. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Pritchards. That's right. That's right. Pritchard and Buchanan, who was a big part of the Levert trade, and whatever Carlisle thinks these guys probably matters too. But the Pacers stink at everything, so. Uh, whatever, whatever they value is going to be important. But I do think to, to get to the thesis of why we're discussing all these young players and picks, there is a way the package can be put together. The question I just will always have with any Sabonis trade is like, do the Pacers view this as a, okay, we're willing to trade Sabonis. or like we need to be blown away to trade Sabonis because yeah. that I think is where the Wizards would get cold feet.
1: Yeah. I think there's no situation where like, we give you like a godfather offer and the the Pacers are like, Oh my God, we can't not take this. So it'd be a, Hey, we need to make a deal. Maybe we've pissed this guy off by already saying like, he needs out of, you know, we're we're willing to trade him. So we got to do something. If it were me, there's been a lot of reporting that the Spurs are trying to get involved there. Uh, you know, he seems very Spursy, I think, um, without sort of you know getting into like the european stereotype but he is sort of an unselfish player like there's a lot of ball movement aspects that you can do with a center that can actually pass and they they've got sort of the right combination of young pieces i think that would be more appealing to me if i were the pacer's front office have you heard any kind of rumblings about that perspective deal
0: uh with the spurs you mean mm-hmm. not not really you know and the the trouble with hearing anything about sabonis chatter is like they're not they're not shopping him if that yeah. makes any sense yeah I'm i good. think and i think that the Levert trade allows them to do this like they could be a cap space team next year now right mm-hmm. or they could go over the cap and just use their picks and just be a young team next year like they can kind of take what the market gives them going forward so i think they'll answer the phone on anybody and so any linked team i hear to the pacers for a trade from bonus i'm like okay yep you know i get it they, how they credible them. is that yeah yeah well but but just given the pacers situation like I you know a lot of times when you hear the stupid like oh they, the, the the talks have started it's just like someone called and said is this guy available and they're like no and then they hung up. Like I think in the Pacers case like okay what's the offer and they've got the board and they're and they're ranking them you know and they have a favorite if it comes to that. I'm sure it's that kind of thing like that's how they traded All Depot. They ranked all the offers, they figured out which one they liked the most. They chose the Thunder one. Everyone killed them for it and they were right, but um you know that's how they trade under Pritchard. So I'm guessing that's kind of what when you hear reporting about Sabonis so talks is like okay they they get what they believe to be the best offer from that team they write it down and then any any team that has called just and acquired them at is the end yeah. yeah exactly exactly it's thrown into that mix so i believe there's a, a lot more than just two teams that have been interested in the kings are uh, one that i always have heard that's like they really wanted Sabonis i don't know where that goes now especially if fox is not included but mm-hmm. um you know this could go. Uh, the Kings are linked to everybody too. So yeah, they, they they've got they're, they're a lot of over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So Poor poor Kings fans. But anyway, all that to say, yeah, I I'd believe about about any team honestly. So, NBA fans,
1: a lot of times they either watch particular players or they stick largely to their same team. I think as much as there's been talk about. Hey, we'd like Sabonis because we know he's good. I don't know that everybody here is like intimately familiar with his game. Could you kind of just break him down as a player for us a little bit? Like, what does he do well? What does he struggle at? And then it kind of helps us make a complete picture of how he really fits here.
0: Yeah, he's had a weird career of evaluation because he is obviously a center and a very good center. And he shares the court with another center a right. lot of the time and they don't have that much of overlapping skills so it's not like we can't evaluate the bonus like we obviously have a very good evaluation of what this guy is but him and Turner's frequent minutes together make his growth certainly unique uh, and his skill set certainly unique for a big so what he's very good at I mentioned this at the top he's a very very good screener and he uses that like he's very smart with handoffs and like fake handoffs and then a pass and stuff like that so, like, him and Kispert, ironically, would fit very well together. And all of <laughs> our current
1: centers are very terrible at that. Like, there hasn't been a good screener in oh. Washington since Gortat. So, uh, that maybe that Gortat made me used hurt.
0: to be the best screener in the NBA. And Sabonis kind of took that. You know that thing Gortat did where he, like, almost put his hands on his hips and would hook people? Yep. Sabonis is really good at, at that. It's totally he's illegal, like to but ears. it's never called. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, he's very good at that. And Beal would obviously benefit tremendously from that, just from a yeah. Wizards standpoint. But his handoff game in particular is... You know top two, three in the NBA. You can never say first with with offensive bigs because it's always Jokic. But you know, after after Jokic, he's in that conversation. He's been working on the three ball every year of his career. He's up to like okay for a center, but still not good. Obviously good back to the basket post guy, uh, to as much as that skill is used in the current NBA, like good defensive centers can slow it down, but Young players who grow up and never defend a post up. Gafford, it was one of these guys. Like he's like, I have no idea what to, how to stop this. (laughs) You know, so he's good at that kind of stuff and passing from the post and the elbows. He he just reads the game very well on offense. On defense, this is where the Turner overlaps a little more prevalent because Turner can shoot, so they could fit together offensively pretty well. Like this year, the Pacers have a pretty good net rating with both on the court, but on defense, Sabonis had to play has to play four a lot in his Hmm. career. And he's not good at that. That's definitely his biggest weakness is the defensive side of the ball. He can't chase guys around very well. He's not that fast. So once he's about more than ah, just making up a number, basically 10 to 12 feet from the basket, he's not a good defender, right? And there's a lot of pick and rolls that happen that far from the rim. You know, that's an area where he struggles and pick and rolls happen. Every possession. Yeah, almost every (laughs) possession, right? So that's a big problem. So like physically guarding centers. Like if the other team center has the ball and he is guarding that center, he's good at that. He's strong, he's large, he can move his feet sideways, good enough to keep up with those guys. But in a lot of those common actions where he has to spread out a little more, that's where he really struggles mm-hmm. and why he's not a lot better. So he's very talented on offense. He's very smart and like he's got the pattern recognition down, which helps him a little bit on defense. But by being slow footed, a lot of the the stuff that happens in the NBA a lot, he's very limited on defense. So worthy two-time all-star, but because of his defensive limitations probably can never exceed like top 20 to 25 player in the league
1: in a perfect world for him. Is he best suited to be like a drop coverage center defensively? Is that sort of like the, where he'd be most hideable, I guess?
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, any team that's asking him to whatever term they use, scram blitz, whatever, Mm -hmm it'll make the other guy pass, I suppose, but he can't recover that fast. So it's just not going to work. It drops definitely the best for him, I would say. But the other thing is, I'm trying to picture him doing drop in my head, and the pitchers used to drop a lot with Turner, who's amazing at it, but yeah. they, they always had them on the court together, so Sabonis never really did it. So he, yeah, that would be the best just because he'd be lower already, so he wouldn't have to use the foot speed. You know, I, I get why you asked the question, but – in general, he's just not that quick with with that kind of stuff. So that's the best way to do it, I would think. But you might, I mean, you know, Toronto was really good at this. You know, they, with Ibaka and Gasol, when they were really slow, they were really good at like bringing in someone from the strong side to shrink the court so that mm-hmm. their slow bigs weren't just totally taxed with everything. You know, you'd have to tweak your defensive scheme like that to really make him a, a really strong, impactful defender, I think.
1: The nice thing is the wizards almost don't play any defense at this point in the season anyway. (laughs) So I I don't know that he could actually make things worse. And he's obviously a huge upgrade offensively. I I think part of what people are trying to envision is what the lineup looks, what the best lineup looks like with him. Is it him next to another center in Gafford, although Gafford is like Turner, but without the floor spacing or is it next to Kuzma and then, you know, they're, they're giving up a little bit more size and, and defensive rebounding and things like that. So in my mind him if he comes here he almost has to be like a starting five exclusively and if you play him a few minutes with a bryant or somebody who could spread the floor a little bit maybe it's not a total disaster you know trying to make the mental math work in my head i guess
0: ironically looking at every wizard's current four or five gafford is probably the, the worst fit. fit or, yeah. well no Montrez. mantras is definitely the worst fit that would be a mess but yeah, Gafford is the worst fit. I mean, like Bryant can shoot enough, and I I went to IU, so I have many go. many soft spots for for Mr. Thomas Bryant. As um, like, yeah, if that shot can hold over forty percent, he's what what's he at this year? I haven't. It's, it's pretty
1: low, but he's he's barely played, and he's
0: getting kind of like inconsistent. Oh, he's looks. up to thirty seven now, so that's yeah. fine. Sure. So if he can be a credible shooter, like I've seen with Turner, that can work, and the fit with Kuzma would be wonderful. The fit with Avdia and. A, Smaller lineup would be wonderful because of the defensive side. Mm-hmm. Uh, Achimura obviously has enough floor game away from the rim that that could work. Bertans can shoot from everywhere, although who knows how much longer he'll be with the Wizards. That's if it another Wizards. important question for us. Too. Yeah, if you were up the Wizards fans, I believe he would not be there much longer. Kispert and small ball would work as well. So basically everybody but Gafford, who seems to like they could be on the Wizards after this year, he would fit pretty well with, I think.
1: Obviously, a totally different situation. I am still a little bit squeamish about the last center, that last former Pacer to end up a Wizards center, and it was Jan Mahinmi. So hopefully, any kind of deal. It was awesome
0: that last year with the Pacers, too. He <laughs> never was that good with the Wizards. That was crazy. It was literal uh, fool's gold. We uh, got foisted there. Um, that last- was the funniest summer in Pacers history. They they signed Al Jefferson for thirty mm-hmm. million and let Mahinmi walk for sixty, and everybody was like, "What just happened? What were these numbers that just happened?" <laughs> Yeah, I think we would have uh, happily made that switch after about two days into that deal.
1: Uh, all right, last two questions for you, and then I'll get you out of here. Um, any locker room issues that have come with Sabonis? I think we're all a little like PTSD-ish here because there's just always some amount of like passive-aggressive sniping and things like that. How has Sabonis been as like a teammate?
0: He is, so I don't think he'll go to the dignity level of like saying they would need locker room leadership. He's never been like an off-court leader okay. in Indiana for sure, like. To so the point that last year Pritchard in their post game or post game at the end of the season was doing his postseason pressure. And he's like, this team needs a leader, like desperately needs a leader because they traded away Oladipo who was very good at that. He was tied with everybody good in the locker room, jovial. Every team needs that kind of guy. Sure. They traded him away and they just had no one to fill that role. So Brogdon has taken it upon himself to do that this year for the Pacers and Sabonis. Again, he's not, he's never caused a problem. Like mm he's unselfish with the ball and you know, being a good screener means you like are by default, a fun guy to play with. You know? right. um, like no one's ever been like, I hate playing with this guy, except for maybe Turner for different reasons though, yeah. just because of fit stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good. never, never a problem in the locker room, but like in the Dinwiddie mold of, he, you know, <laughs> not going to be the leader either despite playing like a leader or sometimes needing to be an on-court leader. So just, just a neutral. I mean, that's fine. We can live with that. Yeah. No pros, no cons, it's, but it's weird to say that, you know, that almost sounds like a bad thing. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like just being a guy when you're good is different than just being a guy when you're a role player.
1: If if you're a quiet lead by example, hard worker, you know, we'll, I think we'll take that as long as they're sort of not, you know, we had two guys take a swing at each other in the locker room this year. I think as long as we're, <laughs> we're not to that level uh, we're, we're probably, you know, coming out ahead. Uh, all right. Vaccination status. Do we know if, Demantis Sabonis is vaccinated or not because yes
0: he, he is the okay. only pacer who's not is just Holiday.
1: gotcha well there you go so um that might eliminate him from any potential inclusion in a deal for salary Do the wizards push- have
0: a, a home market exclusion
1: yeah exactly okay. so um you know ideally if they're even targeting Sabonis I think that probably would have meant for sure that question he one <laughs> yeah you would right. hope <laughs> All right, and then uh, one of my colleagues, Kevin Broom, who writes for Bulls Forever, uh, and I have like a love affair with Terry Taylor. So the last one I got for you here is: What has the Terry Taylor experience been like for Pacers fans so far? Uh,
0: the weirdest and coolest thing ever. That's <laughs> funny. I love Kevin Broom. I used to talk with him about advanced stats and yep. like Excel formulas. He is yep. one of the smartest people. I he's I don't know if he still tweets out his old TPA drafts uh, and charts.
1: It's still coming out, and is, and Terry Taylor favorite very well in our G League uh, All-Stars episode basically so that, that's there where we go. kind of got hooked
0: uh he is for someone young or younger someone shorter than god pick any height best rebounder of his height I've ever seen he's 6-5 and that dude can get a rebound over anybody his timing is unbelievable his second jump is really good like if he was 6-7 or 6-8 I mean, I mean there might be like a case of like how do they clear minutes for him like tomorrow you know and they're not he's on a two way for a reason. Like he's only six, five. He can't shoot his form is, is crap, Pretty but rough. Yeah. he is awesome on the glass and he's really patient under the room, which he has to be at his height to be successful. But his stats just look hilarious. Like per 36, 7.4 offensive rebounds per 36. If he can That's qualify insane. for the yeah. NBA leaderboards, he'd be first in the NBA. In offensive rebounds per thirty six. He's six five. I can't believe you just asked me about Terry Taylor in the Wizards podcast. So he he's like their backup center right now because of how many mm-hmm. players that have been hurt, and he is just absolutely filling up the stat sheet. It is an absolute delight to watch him play. I have no idea what his future is because how many six foot five centers have there been sure. a, a, ever? But I mean, my goodness, is it uh, just because he's unique and the Pacers suck? It is a delight to watch something like that every night. I, you
1: know, I wondered if like a PJ Tucker model is kind of, you know, where, where you go with him. Maybe he develops just enough wing perimeter skills to like the, hang the around. The closest
0: comp term. I've ever gotten is a guy who actually signed a 10 day hardship with the Wizards this year. I think Alizé Johnson yep. uh, was, was close to that. Al, mm-hmm. Alizé was a little taller. Yeah, um, but he was like that too. Where he just every rebound, he's going all full speed at it every single time. And Alize wasn't that awesome for the Wizards, unfortunately. But it didn't go well. good NBA well. games. He had some good NBA games prior to the Wizards, and I that's the closest like person I've seen to it. But t- Terry is, I, I can't even describe it. Like, does it make sense? You know, he like out like he jumped up and got some rebounds over Nikola Vucevic just past weekend, who's got seven or eight inches on him in height. It was it was ridiculous.
1: I kind of equated him to like the G League equivalent of like Charles Barkley, you know, just like this six yeah. foot five guy bouncing off of people. Like obviously he doesn't have like the overall skill set or the athleticism, but it's just like that's the level of impact he had at the, you know, sort of even collegiate level too.
0: His G League stats are like a joke. They look fake sometimes.
1: It, it's 2K. And, I mean it, that's honestly what it looks yeah. like is somebody made a player and just made him <laughs> like a uh, maxed him out on rebounding despite being six four or whatever.
0: Yeah, they had a limited number of like tokens to put in the stats. And if they yep. made them shorter, they got more tokens, right? Yeah, I, I don't play basketball video games, but I think that's how it used to work. Yeah, yeah it's it, something it, like that. It, it's very fun. It is extremely fun. And he's on a two-way, like I don't know what that means for his future. You didn't ask, but yeah, it, it's fascinating. I can't wait to see what he does. And his second jump is one of those things that you know, you, every time a player's a good second jump, you're like Moses Malone. He's yep. not Moses Malone, but he he he's got the second jump. He's very fun to watch.
1: Well, we're jealous. We'd happily take somebody that just you kind of guarantee at least plays hard every possession. Um there you go. So maybe he can be a throw-in in the deal. I don't know if two-way guys can actually even get through or you know, get get traded or not, but uh we, we wouldn't be opposed to that. At least Kevin and I. Uh Tony, you've been more than generous with your time. I said only keep you for a half hour. We've gone a little bit over here. So so thank you for for making that work. I had to get the Terry question in. Um, where can folks find your work and podcasts and, and all that good stuff?
0: Yeah, I babble about the Pacers every day over at, uh, at Locked On Pacers and write about them for Forbes Sports and a local paper here, the West Side Community News. Uh, and I just post it all on Twitter, though. So it's a lot easier if you just follow me at T-East NBA if you want to see it all in one place.
1: Perfect. Uh, we'll make sure to put your your Twitter account in the episode description here. So everybody, if you need any Pacers coverage, Tony's the guy to go to. Uh, Tony, thanks again. And uh, good luck to, to you guys as Pacers fans with however this works out at the deadline here.
0: Yeah, hopefully they can uh, figure something out because being 19 and 36 is not a place any team wants to be.
1: Okay, Wizards fans, hope you enjoyed that interview with Tony East. Again, check him out on Locked On Pacers. Really, really good stuff there. You know, we'll see if this uh, Sabonis thing actually has any real traction behind it, and and they can get something done. I've come around. I'm actually on board with it. Originally, I thought it was just another like kind of meh move, and it doesn't really get us anywhere in the long run. But I think where I've landed is just if you can't ever actually like build a championship contender, which very few people are, you know, maybe you just try to be the best team you can be, make yourself a five or a six seed, build the right people around them. And maybe you get lucky and win the lottery one year or a trade works out or a young player develops and, uh, or a free agent actually want to come, you know, wants to come here for a change. And, and Ted's willing to go into the tax for that to kind of really get them over the hump. Uh, Those are all very big ifs and maybes, but I think that's sort of like the best you can hope for. So if they're just good and fun to watch again, I think I'm willing to just accept that at this point. i got a few more Wizards topics to talk about here, and we'll obviously get to our draft prospect player profile of Jalen Duran. But first, just a couple words from our other sponsors. Let's start with Masterworks. What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing too. invest in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like the goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% for 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the goat. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.io disclaimer. And also just one more word from our other sponsor, NordVPN. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what Nord is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that the best VPN that you can get is all yours. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at just under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So give that a shot. All right, just continuing on with our wizard talk here a little bit. A couple quotes. I always just find this the most interesting from, from the media sessions. Contavious Caldwell Pope says that the Wizards lack communication on defense, and uh, you know we've been hearing about that about the Wizards for as long as I don't know. We've been hearing about the Wizards basically, but he said that they don't have a defensive quarterback on the roster, and obviously could really use one. When he got pressed about that the next day, he said the coaches are laying it out for us, and we're not paying attention to it. You know, my initial reaction to that is, well, hey, dude, like take a leadership role as a veteran who's supposed to be a defender with a ring, like obviously best case scenario, you know, the quarterback of your defense is your center. Cause he gets to kind of sit behind everybody and see more things. But I don't think that has to be the model. You have young centers, whether it's Thomas Bryant or, uh, Daniel Gafford starting like a wing could be more impactful if they chose to speak up. And, and it's always really interesting to be closer to the court and hear these guys and who talks and who doesn't like one of the reasons Larry and I were so pro Mo Wagner is that when you watch them play. You always heard Mo. And I think, you know, people, he's a little spazzy and things like that. And, you know, took the charges or whatever, but he was also foul prone. Like, those are kind of the little subtle things that, that we don't often think about with players. But, uh, you know, we heard it, you know, from Tony, like setting a good screen is a thing that is sort of underrated as a player. Talking on defense is an underrated thing as a player. So, Whether that's Sabonis or whoever they get that ends up being the starting center after this trade deadline. I think it'd be really helpful overall if that is a person that is more vocal. Maybe that's what they're trying to get out of Daniel Gafford and the reason he's not playing. But that sort of segues into our next point here. Uh, This is a tweet from Chase Hughes that I found interesting. And it says the Wizards defensive game plan is designed to take away threes and they're doing just that but teams are then killing them in the mid range and around the rim. And he has a really great sort of article following up on that. So if you don't follow chase for whatever reason, please do. So Uh, it's great coverage, but if you're getting killed around the rim, uh, why would you then bury Gafford on the bench? That's sort of the thing he does best or at the very least, you know, better than the other options on the roster. So if you're getting killed around the rim, and you then decide to start thomas bryant i'm not sure how you think that that's a problem you're suddenly solving talking about the wizard's third center montrez harrell on the mood in the wizard's locker room a couple nights ago he said it sucks bro the, that's the mood on the team it effing sucks coming in here and teams are basically beating our ass from start to finish i mean that's sort of the mood on wizard's twitter right it 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 sucks right now uh it's sort of the mood in, in the fan base as a whole because However they feel in locker room, we certainly don't like to see the product that leads them to feel that way either. So, uh, yeah, it just, that kind of stuff drives me nuts, uh, you know, from both, both of your veteran guys in, in Harold and Caldwell Pope. It's like, what are you doing about it? We hear the same kind of comments year after year, Hey, they're telling us stuff and we're not listening. We're all in a shitty mood. Teams are beating our ass. Like throw in a, Hey, but here's how we bounce back. Like this is actually a situation where I would love to hear, Hey, the wizards got together and held a players only meeting because they're sick of getting their asses kicked. Like, I I don't know, just something. I don't care what it is. Like press the panic button, whatever you need to do, call guys out like directly. I just, I can't do the, like the generic, we don't do this, but Oh, well thing you've been saying that for however many years I've been a fan. And (laughs) that just sort of doesn't seem to change. It's been especially heavy the last couple of years. So I don't know. We'll see. Talking about defensive-minded centers, that segues really well into our draft prospect player profile segment here. Today we've got Memphis center Jalen Duran. Uh Jalen's 6'10, like 250 pounds, long, athletic. He'll be 18 and a half on draft night, which is awesome. His per game averages for for this season at Memphis, not the best in 16 games. He's averaged 25 minutes. He shoots 50. Uh, shoot 62% from the field, which is obviously awesome. He's 0% from, uh, the three point line. So this is not a floor spacer we're talking about. He's 56% from the free throw line, which is almost a worse indicator, seven and a half rebounds a game, 1.3 assist two and a half blocks, which is awesome. One and or let's see 0.8 steals, two turnovers, which you don't love, but it's hard for a freshman on a team with literally no point guard whatsoever and 11 points per game. So. There's been a lot of talk. If anybody's followed Memphis, we've got two top 10 recruits. How come they're not better? They just do not have a point guard. And if you are a rim running lob threat kind of center and you don't have anybody to do that with, like, it's obviously going to impact you. So he's a hard eval, but again, he's huge. He brings a lot to the table. Like this dude looked like an NBA player when he was like 12 years old. He's just kind of that guy that, that you know, probably came out of the womb looking like a physical specimen He's got a seven foot five wingspan, again, super athletic, the lob threat, you know, like that's, that's his forte, I think on offense, the vertical spacing he could offers, you know, similar to what Gafford does. He runs the floor, like super hard, which like, like Thomas Bryant does, which is great. He's got okay touch, like for a guy that shoots 56% from three, you know, from the free throw line, you wouldn't expect him to have like soft hands or whatever, but he looks okay. Like, you know, he'll, he'll make a couple of like jump hooks and stuff. And you're like, Ooh, all right. but. He's going to bully ball guys for most of his baskets. He scores mostly on dunks. He is super efficient. Uh, Let's see what else. Again, plays pretty hard, which is awesome. I think there were some maybe concerns about that as a high school player. But every time I've watched them play, and I've probably seen about five Memphis games, and most of them have been ugly, but he doesn't stop playing, which is great. Again, he's a big dude, carves out space really well. If you want a deeper dive, I'm, I'm kind of stealing some of this eval from friend of the show, Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and a host of Locked On NBA Draft, like really good summary of of strengths and weaknesses. So it's kind of where I, I got my most recent summary from, but I, I do agree with a lot of this. Raphael has, he has upside as a post passer. I, I don't know that I've personally seen that. Like he does have over two assists uh, around two assists, which is good, but you know, that's kind of hard to tell. And, and sometimes things count. As assists that you're like, eh, all right. Like the guy took four dribbles after you threw it to him. Is that really an assist on the bad side here? He turns it over a little too much. I again he cannot shoot whatsoever. Like he, he doesn't have great post moves, even though I just said his touch is decent. And, you know, he's just like a big dude, right? He's kind of growing into his frame still a little bit. And he's a little bull in a China shoppy, he can get a little foul happy, which the Wizards seem to love big men who just foul a lot. So can he be more efficient? Can he work on his offensive skills? Yeah. But again, he's a huge dude. He would protect the rim. He would get a bunch of rebounds. This dude can set a screen. You know, all that stuff we just talked about, like try getting around him. He's got massive shoulders. So I don't like, I actually hate this if they end up like around 10 or 11, that's sort of where he's projected right now if you do decide that you need a center based on who goes out at the deadline it's probably not the worst move you could make Uh, we've talked a little bit on the show about how this is not a particularly point guard heavy draft so if certain guys are off the board i I think he's a he's a person that probably merits some consideration this is a particularly wing heavy draft we talked about aj griffin last week Um, the next couple guys we have will probably be wings realistically so Duran is one of the few guys in this range that I think makes sense for them as a center. And the next kind of guys are seven, eight, nine, 10 picks after where he's slotted to this point. So it might be kind of air quotes a reach, but if you see Memphis on TV, again, he's the guy slated to go in the Wizards projected you know range at the end of the lottery. So worth keeping an eye on. As always, like I said, at the beginning of the show, please rate, review, subscribe. Let us know if there's anything you want to talk about. We'll do another show post deadline, I think, just to talk about what moves were actually made. As always, we're presented by betonline.ag. So check them out, maybe make some bets on what the Wizards do at the deadline. If if that's one of the potential props that might be worthwhile. I would, at the end of the day, if I were a betting man, I would expect that they probably make a couple little like marginal fringe moves and aren't able to you know, really pull off one of these these huge game-changing kind of deals we're talking about. Like, I I don't think we'll wake up Friday and we'll be talking about Demontis Sabonis and Jeremy Grant or anything like that. It's probably more of a, guys around the margins and fringe stuff that doesn't kill them from a cap space perspective and maybe Harold or kcp or one of these guys goes out just to net some assets back that would be my guess we'll be yeah, obviously see how it plays out uh if we didn't have to see more burtons and Dinwiddie, personally i would not be totally against that but we'll see how actually likely that is as always this has uh, been believe in wizards thanks for checking us out and hopefully we'll talk to you soon with some hopefully better news in wizards world